Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 14 of the Kaizen Better Every Day podcast. And today I'm delighted to tell you that I'm joined by none other than the famous Don John. Don, how are you today? Good, real good. I uh, had a nice, easy workout today. We've got a storm coming in. Uh, my grandson, uh, you'll probably hear him every so often pounding his feet on the ground above. Uh, whenever you work out and hang out, you know, it's not too bad. Not too bad. Perfect. So for for those that are that are listeners uh, of the show, we have quite a broad spectrum, quite a few coaches, quite a few people that are avid trainers into the field and will your name will automatically uh, ring a bell. Uh, but there'll probably be quite a few other people who are, I suppose, armchair gym goers that don't spend a lot of time in the industry or aren't familiar. Uh, I suppose I would ask you to to introduce yourself but before you do that i'll give give the guys uh, a little bit of a prelude don was probably the the keystone influence in my own coaching and in my own philosophy stumbled across his books at the age of 21 22 maybe and around that i actually think uh, gregory bradley uh, the owner of black box who was our first guest was the first person to recommend that I, I think it was never let go at the time. Sure. Uh, yeah, and uh, that kind of kicked me into reading all uh, of Don's books. Anyone who is familiar with anything that I do, it's ethically stolen from something that Don has said or done uh, over the course of the last X number of years. I'll let you allude to people how many years, but Don, do you, do you want to give your, a brief introduction to who you are to the listeners that might not know you? Well, I think you did a really good job. Um, yeah, I started lifting weights in 1965. Uh, started keeping a weightlifting journal on March 25th, 1972. I was a, an American football player. I was a discus thrower, uh, play, paid for all my education. And in 1979, my coach asked me if I'd start helping out in the weight room. And that's when I started getting paid to be a strength coach. And I... I uh, most of my career, I taught uh, history. I taught economics. Um, I was a, I have advanced degrees in uh, religious education and in uh, history. Uh, advanced degrees in the United States. That's a master's. Um, uh, traveled the world, uh, teaching and coaching and competing. And uh, I still Olympic lift. I have a meet coming up in eight weeks. I'm trying to figure out how to get my body weight. Uh, down to 96 kilos uh, uh, and uh, keep my lifts uh, up. And uh, I'm, a, I'm 64 and on January 1st as a weightlifter, I turned magically 65, which is nice because that's the next division up. <laughs> and uh, the record's a little bit easier to break when you first enter the division and they're real hard to break as you leave. So I'm uh, feeling pretty good. Uh, uh, knocking out i've got a i got a my websites are going well my my influence i i think i'm I'm in a good place i just got a, a lifetime achievement award last friday from uh, some people up over in the uk and um uh, i teach at st mary's over there in Twickenham, in london and life's good yeah hanging in there yeah no well well with a resume like that life would be good uh, <laughs> i think uh now there are like when we sat down when you were graciously agreed to come on the podcast i was left with the sort of difficult decision of like what what do i specifically dive into i have 60 minutes uh, of time with uh, to both inform the listeners but also scratch the itch for questions that, that i have had and, and and topics that i love to hear you talking about and maybe maybe take some some new things away i suppose one thing that that always stuck out from from this from your books from your work, uh, for me was how often you told talk about the role of mentors uh, in your life, uh, and probably now now more prevalent. Uh, and I, I suppose I don't I don't want to maybe maybe cap or captivate the question too much and, and wrap it up in too much of a structure, but. Can you can you talk about some of the mentors that you have had uh, and the impact that they have had in your life? Sure. Well, the nice thing is I, I wrote a book on it, so that makes things a little easier. So I've already done the I've already done the hard work. Okay, I don't I don't have to uh, go back and. But it, you know, it goes back. I mean, I I have to always mention my my brothers, my parents, my sister, 
you know, we were a very military family, very athletic family, and that helped a lot. I mean, more than you'd think. Um, when we, we got a little bit of inheritance from our aunt and my brothers went over and bought a weightlifting bar. And that's how I started lifting weights because in 1965, my brothers bought a weightlifting bar. And, um, so we start there, but probably after that, it'd be my, uh, ninth grade. Uh, it's a little different system we have here, but, uh, his name was uh, Dave Freeman and he taught me the program I still talk about I talk about in all my books the Southwood program it was power clean military press front squat and bench press and I look back all these years later and I'm like that's still pretty damn good right now I mean if all you're doing is if if you teach your athletes how to power clean front squat military and bench you're doing okay and we also did you know obstacle courses and sports and games and everything else uh I had a in high school, I had a, a, a very, very famous football coach, and I wasn't even going to talk about him in my book until I went to his funeral, and I found this, it's not this, but I found a card, and on it was our play sheet from when I played. It was 45 years later, and I could still tell you what I did on every single play. That's fine, but I could also tell you what the other 10 guys were also doing, too. That's good coaching, is 45 years after the fact, everything is still crystal clear in your head. And also in high school, uh, I met Bob Jacobs. He was my biology teacher, and he gave me my teaching style, which is to always find, do your best to find the most interesting thing to lecture on, and then let the scope of things happen through the textbook and the other teaching uh, methods. And so I've always tried real hard. So it's funny because I could stop right there. I won't because there's a few more, obviously. But uh, you, you, so I try to have a, sim a system so simple that you know it by heart 45 years later. That's very important to me. Uh, I try to cover the basics. Uh, that'd be Coach Freeman. Uh, that's still very important to me. And then I'd much rather, instead of talking to my athletes about, like I'm not going to put the food pyramid or the foods, you know, whatever, what do they call it now, my plate in the United States. I'm not going to talk about that with my athletes because they'll be bored in a minute. In a minute, they'll be bored. So I try to find more interesting things to talk about. Like I talk about with my athletes now, I talk a lot about eating kimchi and sauerkraut and uh, fermented foods because of what it does for your, your, uh, your, your, your gut biome. And what happens is, is people hear, A, most people have never heard of any of this. So they, they lean in. And after you talk about, kimchi or sauerkraut for 15 minutes it's real easy to talk about protein veggies and water uh and that's after high school i wasn't very big and so i met dick notmeyer and he was my olympic lifting coach and do you do you know pounds or kilos which one's easier for you i generally work in kilos here generally kilos okay so after meeting dick um <laughs> it's amazing in four months i put on 19 kilos in body weight Wow. Next time you go to the store and order some meat, you know, <laughs> strap on 19 of those and see if that makes any difference in how you look. Um, and I went from being a very good high school athlete to being what we call here in the States, a division one athlete. And, uh, and it paid for all my education. And then when I went to Utah state, I met coach Ralph Mon, who at the time was considered the best discus coach in the world. So I had out, and I also had Jim Schmitz as a strength, uh, Olympic coach too. So I had some of the best Olympic lifting coaches and discus coaches in the world. And the mistake I made, like so many do, is I didn't really listen to every single thing they said. I kept, you know, I'd read the stupid magazines. They, the magazines are the internet of my age, okay? Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's hard. I mean, you know, I, I want you to learn how to do the front squat, okay? Let's just say that. But you'll come back and go, did you see that guy online doing these lunges? And he was doing, oh, God. Your front squat sucks. And before we need to worry about lunges, we need to take care. You're not strong enough. You're not, you know, connected enough. You don't need lunges. You need your front squat, you know, up. You need to get over 190K, you know. So shut up. Let's, when you get over 190K, 200K, we'll talk about these idiotic things you found on Instagram. And, of course, you know, so what are your front squatting now? 
65 kilos. Well, okay, the difference between 65 kilos and 200 kilos is your problem. Not if you're doing lunges or burpees or whatever idiotic thing you saw today on the internet. Um, and then, of course, after, so after Coach Mon, my big influence would be Dave Turner, who's still my, who's still my uh, coach of my team, Hercules Barbell Club. And uh, Dave, Dave is a synthesis of all my other coaches. Dave believes in one-hour workouts, three days a week, but you pay a high price for those workouts. So you, you start off with a basic flexibility thing, and then he does about 20 minutes of broomstick training. So snatch, clean and jerk, the broomstick. And then we're expected to do eight set, eight doubles in the snatch, eight singles in the clean and jerk, five sets of two in the front squat, and five sets of three in the military, all in one hour. So when you do that, and clean up the gym. Well, when you do something like that, the first time you do it, you might think you're pretty, if you load, you know, you're going to snatch 120 kilos, eight sets of two, and then clean and jerk 160 for eight singles and front squat, you know, 200 for, you, you might think that, but when you have 12 minutes to get five sets of two in and five sets of three in the press, uh, you go. Interesting thing, after doing that for about a month or so, maybe six weeks, you're in such good lifting condition that when we move on to a peaking program, you think, you think you're, you're kidding when the, wait, that's all we got to do in this workout. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> what, 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 that's, that's what, 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 you sure you got that right? You know, so, you know, and, and so there, and those, those would be my mentors uh, in, in this field. Yeah. And I was very lucky. Um, I mean, I mean, luck luck's a funny word i worked really hard to be this lucky you know yeah, yeah. there's a i know there's a naval ravikant uh quote i don't know if you're familiar with naval uh, he has a book he's a, a podcast out he's a, a angel investor and sort of a guiding light for some of the the big software companies but he talks about like the four types of luck but one of them is just luck through doing a lot of things and working hard and it's just the the luck of energy just like if you if you have a lot of energy you're going to bump into a lot of different things and a, a lot of different opportunities exactly i was just listening uh one of the people i i uh, most of your audience will never heard of him but his name was earl nightingale and uh he was a uh, when i was young he was probably the most prominent uh motivational speaker in the united states and he died now. Uh, I don't know how well you know uh, what happened at Pearl Harbor on December December seventh, nineteen forty one, but Earl was one of the seven Marines who survived on the USS Arizona, and he had this great voice. And his life was tough. He watched all, all of his friends, the bulk of his friends, die in seconds. And instead of just woe is me, he decided to become an inspirational speaker. And I was just listening to him today, in fact, not long before we talked here. And he talked about how, you know, working hard is actually easier than, you know, he would be at the exact opposite of Tim Ferriss in the four-hour work week. And the truth is, I mean, as I understand, Tim Ferriss doesn't work four hours a week, or at least didn't. Uh, he certainly nailed um, a belief that a lot of people had, and, and, I, and I respect it, but um, Earl's thought was, you know, the more, <clears throat> the more you serve people, the more you get in return. You know, his great, uh, analogy was you don't walk up to a fireplace and say, give me heat. You know, you first had to put in some, some wood, some paper and light a match for God's sakes. And I'm a big believer that you need to put a lot of wood and kindling and you got to light a lot of matches to be successful. I think that's a common trait from the the most successful people that and uh, that I've spoken to through the podcast or through my own endeavors. They all have this common thread of pet forward to do oh, yeah. do do things for others uh, and and look after those who are coming behind you. And that's probably uh, like the, the probably the, the simplest testament that that I could give the listener to this. That that's a good example of that uh, is that I dropped him a message listen, we'll absolutely love to have you in the podcast. Completely understand you are absolutely chaotically busy. It's coming into Christmas time. 
like you're a parent, a grandparent, a coach. Uh, you have a lot of things in your plate. And it was, yeah, sure, I, I'm free. Here, do it here. And that was just, just that the given nature of your time. And that's only in this individual instance. And personally, myself, uh, I could name probably five other instances where you've like uh, you've extended the same thing to me. So I can only multiply that across how many many interactions you've had over yeah. the year, years of coaching. But I hate to say I'm selfish, but I get so much out of this too. So I have to be a little careful. You know, I, I love these kinds of things. I love our, our conversations. I mean, you know, you're up there in the North of Ireland, which is one of my favorite places on this great planet. And uh, anytime I can talk to anybody from, uh, from my Island, it always makes me happy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For, the, for those that don't know, uh, Don has family uh, in Galway, whom he visits, like, travel Belfast. dependent, like, nearly mostly every Belfast. year. Mostly, mostly Belfast. Belfast. Right, okay. I actually thought it was mostly Galway, so there you go. Well, Galway's uh, my friends, and right, Belfast yeah. is the family. Yeah, right, okay. And which, which I suppose, there's, there's so much there that, that, that I would like to even get into and, and, and pick apart about the, your mentors, but we actually, you mentioned that Dave Turner is almost like the your all of your other mentors synthesized into one yeah. and taken elements of of all of them but as you went through and described different traits uh through of all of the mentors i can i can i'm in my head thinking about a principle that that you have like divulged in a book or in a resource or, or whatever it is going that's that's what he does uh, and it's it's such a i think when I was first starting out in the, in, in the industry, even just learning about training. It's like my initial thing. And for anyone that is interested in training, and but isn't like already chaotically interested in it, my, my like would urge them to go and pick up any of, any of Don's books because you have this great way of explaining things simply. Like talk to me, talk to me like I'm a five-year-old and remember it 45, 45 years later, whatever it is, those sort of, simple things because people's lives are too complicated like they don't care as fitness nerds sometimes we care about the minutiae but most people with busy lives they don't really mind exactly and you know if you read most of the emails i get people just take a very simple thing that i say and they so masterfully screw it up into this convoluted idiotic unworkable idea i i it just stuns me. It's like, listen, I've had literally a thousand American football players do this. Why do you think, why don't you do this first and then make it perfect? Yeah, well, you didn't have enough yet, yeah, right. And the reason we didn't have enough is because enough is enough. Enough yeah, is like, enough. I, I don't have to, like, this is after how many hours of fine tuning, this is what we've landed on. I don't need to explain to you why we like why we just like decide, and that's one of those like a lot of the a lot of the and and a lot of Don's books. He'll talk about a word and then actually go through to the origin of the word. I don't know if it's the uh, the sort of that the thirst for uh, yeah. ancient knowledge through through the religion <laughs> teaching whatever it is. But sure. and they always stick in my mind, and I actually use that quite a lot with my own clients when we say about we need to decide what to do. Like decide comes like the origin to cut, and using that, yeah. and they're like right, okay, and. Those small things, I then hear clients repeat back to me two years later, and you're going, okay, like that's what we want. We want those sort of those bits of information that can be principle based that people can apply uh, and go forward. So, like, it's it is one of those things. I I would urge anyone like the easiest thing is probably listen to I'm sure a, a many hundred of podcasts by <laughs> by this stage. It's funny you even say a word like principle. The word principle comes from the same root as prime and simple, which is related to the word capture. It means to take first place. Principle is what you, you do first. What are the keys? And it, it what kills me is I'm a principle-based coach. So whatever, what do we need to do to win or to get the goal or to do whatever's needed to be done? I'm always focused on that. And to my detriment, to my detriment, it's not always a good thing. But if you tell me, Dan, we got to get this couch out of this basement, I'm going to get that couch out of the basement. 
Now, you might have to come back in later on and fix up the paint and stuff, but that couch will be out of the basement. And while I'm picking up this couch and moving it, someone always comes by and says, I have a better idea. And the okay, here, hold this couch. Well, I can't. The couch is too heavy. Then why don't you shut up? And that is my life in a nutshell right there. Uh, people will come in and say, you know what you should be doing? How many times have you thrown the discus? Well, never, but then shut up. Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, it's, uh, it's, it's so easy when you're getting stuck in, when you're doing something, and when you're the one that is probably making a decision. And as, as you say, with any, any decision, you're, like, every option has trade-offs. And mm-hmm. if you're making a decision as a coach to do one thing, whether it's a client, whether it's a client's husband who went to somebody, went to a party and someone told them something different, they'll come back to you and say, oh, well, why are we not doing this like this way? And you're like, listen, I, I, can, I can answer that. I can, I, I can answer every reason of why we haven't done. But, but the fact of the matter is, if we've done this, that means that there are probably potentially a thousand other things that we have chose not to done now, chose not to do. I can explain why we didn't make all those decisions or you can go and do that and we can see if it actually gets you to the result that you're requiring. And if it gets you there, do you really care? Or do you want to know? And if you do want to know, I'll explain to you why we made the decision. But well, if not, who cares? This is a good example. I mean, uh, so there you are standing up at the altar and you're with this. Uh, uh, do you really want to ask the bride? Is, you know, what, what are you going to ask the bride? Okay. You've decided to marry Conleth, right? Lith? Yep. Lith? Conleth. You decided to marry Conleth. Well, why didn't you marry, uh, you know, uh, Stanley? Uh, and she might, here's the problem. She might go, damn it, you're right. <laughs> you're right. You know, life, man, is about decisions. And if you decide to go to Utah State University and not Stanford, it means you don't go to Stanford. You went to Utah State. And it's a tough thing to teach that. If, if you decide to go down that uh, very thin shaft to elite performance, uh, it means that you've cut off all these other options. Options like getting drunk every night, uh, doing drugs every night, uh, partying until four in the morning. You've cut all those options out. Now, if you want to do those things, and I got nothing against it. Hell, I'd, I'd much rather have been drinking and, and being with women than I did you know, throwing the discus, I tell you that. But this is the decision I made. You can't, and this is it. And that's, that's why the word decision is so important. It means to cut. Yeah, and and one thing I actually remember you talking about this that, where yes, you like you went to to went to as you call it college uh, and basically trained as a professional athlete uh, at the same time to to compete at your sport at the highest level, mm-hmm. and in so doing, had to not indulge in a lot of the activities that make college such a fun place to be uh, for the majority of people and. You talk about that as in, yeah, well, yeah, that wasn't, and I think it wasn't necessarily a fun thing to do, but it also paved the way for me to have a teaching career, to have a coaching career, and to be able to like be in a position now that I can travel the world, talking about the, my my chosen topic, talking to interesting people, spend time doing doing what I love, and it's that again, it's like it's the trade off, it's the decisions. Like yes, you've done that, and it was there's elements of it that are hard work. But within that hard work, it afforded such an opportunity and it's led to all of these things down the line. That is a tough life lesson. That's a tough one. Yeah. And I will, we'll change gears. And you you mentioned, uh, you mentioned previously, you're obviously, you're originally, uh, your your family originally hails from, from Ireland. And I would be remiss because one thing in my search of your material and when I was initially uh, looking through your material all those years ago, I was trying to filter this through the lens of I'm a GA player uh, and I play Gaelic football. Uh, you're obviously familiar with Gaelic, you're familiar with Hurley, you're, you're been involved with Connor Rugby when you, you come over and you're close with guys there. And I'm and intrigued and to see... And handball too, and handball. And humble. So there, yeah. So really, th- this is the one thing that I, I haven't heard anyone else talk to. I'm sure you have spoken to people about this before, whether it's recorded or whether it's over half a dozen Guinness, whatever it is. Yeah. But I'm intrigued now, looking in from the outside with a fresh set of eyes and looking to see, okay, well, this here's this sport. How would I like? What things would I take to that? What would I do? 
with well, that, with, you know, in, in terms of preparation for an athlete for that sport. Well, if we're talking about hurling and, and Gaelic football, uh, you know, when you look at the guys, when you look at the Dublin team, the, the, the Dublin football team, uh, I don't know what they do, but they, it does look to me more like they're following more of a rugby plan now. Uh, it seems to me, now they're not, they're not full-born 120 kilo rugby players. They're, they're not, right? Yeah. But they're good sized guys and they're, they, they're very elastic, uh, they're very elastic, they're very strong and they have good uh, cardiovascular engines. It would appear to me that the problem you have with the GAA, by the way, I think the GAA is the most brilliant structure of sports in the world. You start when you're three years old and you can play at some level until if, if it works out the day you die, you could be on the hurling C team for Carnmore and play, play an occasional game, right? True. Yeah, true, true. See, see and, people playing in their 60s and 70s uh, all the time, popping up on sure. different articles. Yeah. And if you're, you know, and if you're in, if you're from Turles, you're still going to be pissed off about the 1938 GAA final, right? It's just, it's just, <laughs> yeah. it's there, it's rich, it's deep. Uh, the downside, of course, is that, you know, you're an electrician, you're a student, you're a laborer, you're a dad, and you're juggling. Um, you're you're juggling other things, which is why I think it's so important, and I think it's a mistake a lot of the GAA athletes make, is they they have a very seasonal approach. It, it's better to have an hour a day of training, fifty two day fifty two weeks a year, seven days a week, than it is to try to get three hours in, right before the season or in the season. Um, from from what I see, there there, there probably should be a, a much serious emphasis on strength training in the off off season, not hypertrophy training, but pure strength, like an easy strength program where you're doing just a couple sets of five and a press, a pull, a deadlift, and I'd love to see loaded carries, either pushing the prowler or dragging sleds or running hills, uh, hill runs. If you got hills, uh, and not all the places in Ireland have really good hills, right? It's it's you know kind of it kind of depends. It's ge you know yeah. it's geography, but there are places where they have great hills, and that would be a great way to get. Uh, it, but and I think for those sports, sprinting up hills or dragging sleds is far superior than doing the movement of squatting. I think would have value, like goblet squats, but I don't think heavy squats would have value because. That's not what the sport calls for, right? Um, there's not a lot of time you're going to be pushing a 150 kilo guy around. Like in American football, there are times where you just need to be strong because your opponent weighs literally 160K. And, you know, and when you get hit by, they, and they don't get smaller as the game goes on, uh, they get slower, but not smaller. Um, but in, in, in the GAA, you're looking at you know, 90 kilos would be on the, it would be a bigger GAA. Bigger player, player yeah, like the 75 to, yeah. 75 to 90 is, the, and really you'd be very rarely seeing 90 kilo, probably 85 to 75 yeah, tends so to be the then, sweet spot. Yeah, so um, overhead presses uh, of any kind, pull-ups, uh, some kind of deadlift variation, um, run hills, basic stuff. But the idea is you're doing that practically, practically year round. And it's very basic. The workouts can take 15 to 20 minutes. Um, and then, you know, um, skills practice in a game setting. And, and, and where you're, you have a very experimental concept. Um, like, for example, it might be worth your time to play with extra long hurleys, you know, much longer hurleys than normal. It might be, if you have some broken ones, play with half size ones, you know, or shorter to just the game being close, but just, you know, to just change, just change a few of the things. Uh, would you guys play three on three or five on five? 
Yeah, no, not not that often. More so in training during the year, but very rarely in off season would would people be practicing and training. Uh, I suppose just for organizations' standpoint. Well, and if I was a if I was a local team, I would probably put together uh, like maybe a you know what's the name of your team? What's the name of your team? St Mary's. St Mary's. Okay, so Saint Mary's. How how unusual? Okay, so St Mary's. Where'd you come up with that name? Um, you would have a St. Mary's only tournament three on three, maybe even ha- what we call in the States half court. So, you know, you'd have, uh, you would have, you know, uh, uh, you'd swap out, you'd have, you have to have two goalies, but it would be three on three half court and just play and have fun, even play indoors. If you can, if you could just change the rules up, but play the game at a level, it still keeps you, kind of foaming at the mouth to want to win but just different enough so that you're still looking forward to the bigger tournaments um in america i mean i think part of the reason we're so good at basketball is that there's not a place in america you couldn't find a pickup basketball game any time of day anywhere either one-on-one two-on-two maybe five-on-five in some places Three on three is probably the most common game you see, and you see the games every place. Um, if we, if I was a soccer coach, I would use uh, it probably just uh, the soccer football. Probably just put up two cones real close to each other like this, and that's the goal. I mean, that's it. That's the goal. Or maybe even the two right next to. If you knock the cones over, it's a goal. If you don't, it's no goal. Um, just to just to get people out there playing. But that's where you get the cardiovascular endurance that the sports needs. Running, I think running up hills is good because it builds up leg strength and all those other qualities. But for the game itself, you have to play the game. And I, and I, and I think sometimes I talk to some of the guys and they, some of the guys, it seems like they have a four or five month season and that's all they do. And the other eight months, they're just, you know, um, not doing what they're supposed to, you know, they're not, they're not being athletes. Yeah, like there's there's quite a lot. Uh, there's quite a lot of nuggets in there that I know you, you you've been you, you're uh, I suppose you're a visitor to our sport and you get to see it relatively infrequently. I suppose mm-hmm. would be the, the way to say it. And within what you've said already, you can you can actually see a lot of teams and we're hearing a lot of the, the top teams to own the one they all are this year. You're hearing that they actually reduced their training schedule slightly because the the big thing at the moment is. The is actually an overtraining, a uh, bit of a like epidemic of overtraining throughout throughout a lot of like county level teams. But be careful. Is it so? The joke in my world is this: I'm a strength and conditioning coach, but what people hear is conditioning and conditioning. Where where people err on overtraining is overconditioning. All the excess running, all the jump mileage, all the crap mileage. And uh, that's where you get, that's where the, the, it shows up. But I mean, if, if you want a basketball team to be in great shape, you just roll out the basketballs and say, you guys play, I'll be right back. Show up three hours later, they'll still be running up and down the court playing. Yeah. And you know? it's, it's, it's interesting that I suppose with here, you would see people going to play five-a-side soccer, like when they're in their, sort of 20s 30s 40s or whether they're five in the street and it's actually pretty uncommon to see uh to see that in the off season of gaelic to see 10 guys rock up and do 5v5 across the pitch it's, it's just and and from what i'm aware it's not and it's only and I, I actually hadn't even realized that it wasn't the case until you pointed out going yeah well literally every other sport we in the off season we just kind of play a different version of the game, a shortened yeah. version, a bit more relaxed, a bit more fun uh, yeah. element. There is, there there isn't really much of a of an emphasis on that. So that's a that's an absolute. Uh, that's something I will be stealing uh, and telling everyone that I thought of it. Where are you uh, going to practice the actual skills? Because kicking a ball by yourself on a field, no one around, is not the same as kicking a ball with someone trying to push you in the face. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And I, I I want my athletes to do like, do you guys have trick shots, you know, behind the back and all kinds of fun things and, you know. Yeah, yeah, between the legs, there's, yeah stupid skills yeah. that will never really get used in a game, but they're always good fun ones, but it comes off and everyone sees it. 
so we had an American basketball player by the name of Bob Cousy, and he was famous for dribbling between his legs and behind his back. Well, that is just now part of how almost every player brings the ball down court. They bounce the ball between their legs or behind their back. Because if you're bouncing the ball behind your back, you have to go through the athlete to get the ball, which is a foul. I'm not, I'm not telling you need to do all this stuff, but the re, how you pick this stuff up is when you're having fun. You don't pick this stuff up when you're facing – it's Tyrone won it this year, right? Tyrone won, yeah, they, they won the all out this year. Which is kind of remarkable because uh, Mayo was right there. Uh, <laughs> Mayo was right there. <laughs> I have That's a Mayo – I have a male Gaelic uh, football uh, uh, jersey uh, kit on my wall in my gym. Very good. They're 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 there every year. Uh, every and year. Every year yeah. they're there, and they just uh, I heard some. They actually beat Dublin this year. They always get they always get Dublin in the final. They always get beat by Dublin yeah. in the final. And this year they got them in the semi final and yeah. they beat them. And then and then Tyrone beat them. And every I think that I heard someone had said something. It was just kind of in passing. They were like they done really well. They beat Dublin. They just beat them in the wrong game. And I just thought it was I thought it was such a good such a good like uh caption like just to be caption what this what this year uh yeah. was for them. So yeah, like that that that's it. Uh, as far as we'll 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 move away sure. from the from the GEA. Those are some really, really good insights. Anyone that's listening, uh, there's there's some real nuggets there to, to take away because this is actually our off season and as a coach with the players GA for a percentage of my own clients are GA players and they're coaching their off season and they're looking at all of these things and I so it's a it's a great little uh, a great wee chunk of information. Now one one of the big things that, that I always I also liked uh, when what you talked about was shark habits. Uh, hmm. uh, I, I would like you to explain to the listener what a shark habit is. Sure. It's it's extraordinarily simple. Um one bite and it's gone. So anything that is a uh, like a light switch, on or off, yes, no. I make a decision and I'm done. Um, I have 18 of these shirts. Now you wonder why 18, because that's all they had in North America. So when I found the shirt that I liked, I bought 18 of them. Um, I'll just show you something else. These are a pair of pants that I found and they're from a company called Barbell and I get no money for any of this. And they fit really nicely on me. So now I have three pair. And because uh, if one looked good, two more would even look better, right? So a shark habit is when you asked me, do I want to come on the podcast? I said, yes. And I said, Tuesday at one o'clock is great. One bite, gone. I haven't thought about our podcast since then. I got a little note from you, uh, you know, and I signed on and we started talking. Uh, shark habit. Um, well, before I go to bed at night, I, I, I make my to-do list. Okay, here's my to-do list. Uh, that's you right there. Um, when I, uh, before I go to bed, I make my to-do list for the next day. I make my coffee, and then I go to bed. I, you know, I'll watch a show or something, I'll read a book, whatever. Uh, I, when I wake up in the morning, I have this little... I have everything kind of out there on my, uh, uh, the counter in my bathroom. And uh, I do this and I floss my teeth and I do that. And I do this. Boom, 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 boom. There's no thinking involved. It's just what you do. And what you want to do as an athlete is anything that is not your goal is a shark habit. Uh, it, it can be an eight hour a day job. Uh, I leave the house at 7.30. I get to my job at 7.50. I'm the first person there. I get my desk ready. I do my job. I go home. And then I take, then I start thinking about the discus or my team or whatever. So that's what a shark habit is. One bite and it's gone. The, the reason that I, that I wanted you to tell the listeners uh, about that is because it was something that, that, that probably had a, had a big impact on me not, like yes in the plan just simple chart habits in my life but also just in in a sort of when you look at the the larger principle like where's where's that value like valuable because people are busy people have yeah. stressful lives and they're the thing that is the the higher degree of complexity that you're going to have with something the more likely it is not going to be done 
<laughs> uh, like that's that, the, the nature of the well, nature of this. it. Do you remember our conversation right at the beginning? You asked me how things were. And I said, Amazon make, makes my life around Christmas much easier. My daughter says uh, that my granddaughter wants this for Christmas. Bought it. My grandson bought it. Uh, while I was doing that, I realized I'd run out of vitamin D. So I bought three. Well, oh, by the way, I don't buy one thing of vitamin D. I buy three because that gives me almost six months. I don't have to think about vitamin D again. Um, you just, you press that button and it's gone. It's gone. It's gone out of your head too. See, that's the issue is this, is if not making a decision still is rolling around the back of your head. So when I go yes or no on a decision, I decided. Then I did what I had to do. I checked the box. I said that I wanted uh, filet mignon for dinner, not chicken or whatever. It's, it's out of my head. You invite me to your wedding. Yes, no, I'm going to be there. Uh, I go to Bed Bath & Beyond, buy your gift. I've showed up at weddings and asked somebody, did I get you guys a gift? And they'll say, oh, yeah, you were the first person. Because I don't remember doing it because it was nine months ago. But when I get that little, when I get that little piece of paper, it says, can you be here on, you know, I don't know, uh, February 5th? Yes. Will you have a, you know, plus one? Uh, uh, yes. Do you want uh, chicken or, or do you want chicken or fish? Chicken. Um, we're, we're at Bed Bath & Beyond. Boom. And I think like for, for anyone listening, like taking that and trying to apply it to whatever you can apply it to. And I think get, get, get creative with that. And I actually, I'm, I'm one of the reasons when you started talking laughing, I realized yesterday I asked me about shark habits and I knew this was something that I did already. And I actually had made dinner tonight, but it's only me. It's my, my other half is away at her family's house and I had made dinner for five or six because now I've got basically lunch for myself, maybe potentially dinner for myself and then for her coming back tomorrow because it's done because it takes me the same amount of time to cook dinner for one as it cooks dinner for four or five. And I actually put that up, kind of even forgetting that, yeah, that was, that's, just, that's something that I automatically do and I've always done probably since listening or, or reading something that you've done and something that you've said about that, just one bite and it's done. Make your life easy cut the stress away in whatever way you can and get creative with it in your own life. Well, some, I, I write about generally, I did, not this year because of some things, but generally I write about two books a year and people ask me, how do I write two books a year? And my response is because I wear a black shirt every day. And they're going, no, no, what's your secret? And I'm like, I just told you my secret. I'm not, I spend practically no time thinking about, Probably 90% of my day, it could be higher, it could be 95% of my day, is just automatic built-in things. Uh, I have, when I'm doing podcasts, I always set my alarm two times before a podcast, half an hour before and 15 minutes before. If I'm driving doing something else, I'm at the store and I get, it goes beep, 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 uh-oh, I got to get home. 15, wasn't I on pretty early? You were on, yeah, you were, you were on, bang on. Yeah. And, uh, and so by setting those two alarms, I don't even remember. There are times I'll be like, oh, what the hell is this going off for? And then I'll have to look at my Google calendar and I'll be like, oh, I've got a thing. <laughs> because I'm so busy. I'm answering emails. I'm writing. I have this, I have this whole thing called Dan John University where I have all these courses I've put together on programming and easy strength, advanced easy strength. And people are, how do you knock these things out so fast? And I'm like, well, because I wear this shirt. I save time doing all of the unnecessary things that I don't really want to do. And I don't have to think. I don't have to waste my time. I don't have to fill my brain pan up with all those other tiny little things. Perfect. I think, I think even within that now, I was, I was going to go in further to like helping like look at dealing with people who have like pretty stressful schedules at the moment uh, and, and what to do. But I think within what we've talked about there, like other than I think a weekly menu was something that maybe a shark habit that you'd, you have, you didn't mention there. 
but no, well, is the only okay. other well, thing. Okay, so weekly menu, so that when you go shopping on Sunday, you know what you're gonna eat. Uh, uh, I am doing right now my laundry because today is Tuesday and Tuesday's laundry day. As we speak right now. Anyone that knows John or follows material knows Tuesday's laundry day. Yeah. And that's there. As we speak right now, it's going. And as soon as we hang up, I'll put the wash into the, the, the dryer and I'll press two buttons boop, beep, boop, beep, and beep, 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 beep. And the dryer will happen. And when they dry, I fold them. I hang up the shirts. I fold, uh, the, I put the socks together. I toss the underwear in there. Uh, yeah, I, there's no, there's no, you just do it. And once the laundry is done, whew, I don't think about laundry until next Tuesday. I don't think about I mean, it. Now, obviously I put it in the, the bin, you know, but I don't, I don't think about it. Yeah. And I, that just think- frees the brain up. No, I think that's that's right. The means in the, to the times where you actually need to sit down, whether you're writing, whatever sort of work you're doing, your your head is one for one clear, and you're you're left with nothing else other to do other than the the chunk of work that requires your attention at that moment in time. Exactly. And now, like again, I, I'm frantically uh, pushing through uh, our. Our, our desired topics because there's just some things I just I just would like to hear you talk about and they're well, probably again. we'll just I can come back well oh uh, we'll, we'll 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 do another we'll do another uh, yeah. episode anyway but we've got we've got we've got about eight minutes or so is that oh. are you all right for time yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, the lot like the last thing that I, that I would like to, to talk about you is the amount of years that you've been in the industry now and uh, the amount of people you help and you're obviously putting out a lot of content yourself to help educate people to help coach people i'm wondering what your own personal version uh, of learning looks like is there an approach you like to get through x amount of books x amount of workshops i know you always insist on sitting in the front row in any workshop you're in that's probably the one thing that that you're that you might say but with your own learning what things are in interest you at the moment and like what is your structure about approaching sort of continuous learning oh, well right now i am reviewing uh so this is an interesting thing. I, 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 there's a guy named Derek Sivers, and he wrote a book called uh, Anything You Want, and he owns something called CD Baby, and he's quoted by Tim Ferriss and other people. So when I read his book, there's something that came away, and I was really interested. And he talks about a business should have two numbers. So I took that idea, and I'll just show you. So this is this is my this is my goal setting. Uh, green goal okay and so i have two numbers uh so on the left here is 211 pounds 96 kilos i want to lift in the 96 kilo class again and on the other one is a number about how much i want my business to bring in a month and it's it's a good size number and what i start to do every single day i'm sitting down and i'm just making list after list after list of ideas uh, that that can help me on this goal, and when I write down the ideas, very often something will leap off at me, and I'll go dive in and reread uh, Earl Nightingale, Tony Robbins, uh, honestly even Tim Ferriss, even though we're in different uh, visions of things. Um, so that's that's what I'm doing. So physically is to get down to 96 kilos. Professionally, it's to make the certain income level. Um, there's a new version of Harry Potter that's just come out. These lovely illustrated books, and so I'm and and not the ones from Britain. These are a, th- th- these are a different one. Um, the artwork is through the roof, and so I'm going to reread all seven Harry Potter books uh, because uh, it's kind of a Christmas, a winter tradition that I did for oh, it'd be a decade or so ago. But I'm going to reread all the Harry Potter books, uh, and they're delightful. Um, and then professionally, oh, geez, I've got, um, I get about one or two books a week to either write forwards for, or to, uh, do reviews. And what I'm finding is I'm, I'm, because I'm writing forwards to them, when you write a forward to a book, you, you read the book, but you're reading it for, you're reading it differently than when you read it to, to learn. And then when you write a, when you read a book to review, 
you read it differently than to learn. You're, you know, you're, you're trying to say, well, the thing I learned, you know, you're trying to, you, uh, yeah, I can. And so what I noticed about two or three, what was it, decluttering? So it must've been this month. It must've been November is that I had reviewed and wrote forwards on, oh, it must be, and I'm not exaggerating. If I said 20 books in the last three or four years, but, and, and the funny thing is I'll even on the, it'll say forward by Dan John on the book, but I don't feel like I know the book very well. So one of the things I'm trying to do right now is I'm going through this kind of my imaginary backlog of books that I read, but I didn't read. Uh, that's the weirdest. I, I I read them, but not the way I wanted to read them. Uh, yeah. Does yeah. That, no, that... I, I get that. Yeah. And you're, when you're approaching, maybe even when you're looking at when, when you read a book two years later and from a, coming from a different point in your life, it jumps out at you uh, in a different way. So I'd imagine like being, if you're being a coach at a championship, when after a couple months later, someone will be talking about the tail, tailgate. Does that translate? Tailgating? Yeah, yeah. No, well, I, I know what it is. So for those that don't, uh, basically a big party in the QR park in the back of pickup trucks. Is that pretty accurate? Yeah, yeah. That close. Yeah. Yes, actually. Yeah. Very <laughs> well done. Yeah. So it's a big party before the game. And so when you're, when you're coaching a, a big event, sometimes people will talk to you about, so this was this big competition, the 3A state championships. We'll just throw that out there. And you'll talk to somebody a few months later and it's like, they'll, they'll tell you about things that happened. And so when they talk about little Billy doing this miraculous play, my thought might be, well, American football real quick. Yeah. Well, it was third down and 15 and we knew they were running out. They had no more timeouts. So all we had to do, and, my coach brain saw that same thing, this kind of, I wouldn't say boring way, but kind yeah. of not. And their fan brain saw it in a delightfully different way. And so even though we both watched the same contest, we had completely different uh, experiences. And I feel that way when I'm in, uh, when I'm writing a forward to a book, I have forward brain. When I'm writing a review, I have review brain. But some of the books, I just want to, I want to read a couple of the books that I've gotten recently as, as little Danny John, the 64-year-old who wants to be in the best shape of his life. Yeah, I actually, just as, as you said, I'd, I'd listened to a podcast with two comedians talking, and they were talking about when comedians go watch comedy, they don't sit and laugh like everyone else. They do exactly what you're talking about. They have coach brain where they're going, oh, right, I can see how they set that up, how they paused and where they were following through on that. And they're like, it's weird when you start being a comedian, you stop enjoying comedy because you, you, you're looking at, you know how the sausage is made and now you're sitting yes. there going like, how, how do we do this? I, I actually have a story about that. I, I work with American special forces. And one of the things we do, we have these retreats for them after deployments and it's called resiliency. And uh, so I have been with very famous groups, uh, I think the band that's the most famous that I know, very often it's just very country and Western, but there was a group called Five for Fighting. Uh, they, they had a couple, of, I actually recognized their music, which is, don't take this wrong, gentle listener, but I don't know modern music very well. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I'm familiar with them. I like them. They're, they're the soundtrack to a few good TV series that I like. Yeah. And so uh, I got a chance to hang with those guys, but they also had a stand-up comic. And so the stand-up comic and I, had probably lunch, dinner, and breakfast together. So a lunch together, a dinner together, and a breakfast together. And, you know, sometimes when you're in work and you're in that work mode, but we were just sitting around at dinner one time and he started discussing comedians and he knows, I mean, the, the, the late night TV comics, the stand-up, he knows a lot of these people and he's fairly, he's been on the night shows here, you know, the, I don't know, it's not Johnny Carson anymore, but, they you know the, not even david letterman but those kind of things and he started telling me about how comedians cheat when they're running out of material or can't remember where they were and now him telling me this stuff 
I don't enjoy some comedians at all anymore because I know what they're doing. I know how the sausage is made. (laughs) And it's just one of those things where, so sometimes, in fact, if, if any of your gentle listeners come out and work with me for a couple of months, they'll find out how full of shit I am because very (laughs) often, you know, I just give the same formula. I just change it up a little bit and they're going to go, wait, didn't you just tell Edna the same thing? Yeah, 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 yeah. I know it. It's always the same thing. It's push, pull, hinge, squat, loaded, carry, eat vegetables, eat protein, drink water, sleep, uh, meditate, uh, go for a walk, you know, be nice to your dog. That's all I know, man. That is literally all I know. I mean, you've made a very good living out of it, but it's <laughs> getting people to push, pull, hit, squat, load of carry, eat veggie, eat protein, <laughs> and and just keep going and doing it and doing it. I'm going to out basic uh, my competition, but it is interesting is that now you know my secret. You'll never be able to listen to me on a podcast again because I always say the exact same things. Yeah. I, I find myself I'm recording my own podcast I'm 15 episodes in and I'm still saying the same thing so I, I don't think uh, and I think if the <laughs> listeners haven't picked that up already maybe they know how the sausage is made uh, yeah, and, they'll yeah. stop, and they'll stop listening uh, yeah <laughs> here's, of, okay, here's one thing <laughs> here's one thing he said to me and I go I don't like this one thing some comedians do where they start talking to a member of the audience and he goes did they point to the audience member and say now you're making me laugh I go, yeah, I hate that. He goes, yeah, that means they've either forgotten what they're about to do or they have really weak comedy, but they know if they can get one audience member to join in, that will make everybody else start to laugh too. Right. (laughs) And I'm like, oh my God, watch comedians talk to the audience. Now, now you making me laugh now. Come on, I'm trying to work up here. (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah. And now you realize that they're floundering, not being funny. And it's like, oh, God, now you can't watch it. There we go. We're going to make the, the title of the podcast, Don John Ruins Comedy, uh, for the listeners. Uh, so. <laughs> I love the idea. <laughs> and and uh, it's like when someone points out that a singer is lip syncing. Yeah. Once you see it, you can't unsee it. Oh, you can't unsee it. It's like, oh, stop. You know, you just, you know, you just can't, you just can't deal with it anymore. Yeah. No, that's lesson lesson Don. I'm really uh, very conscious of your time to probably like the one the one thing, uh, and I've, I have heard you mention different different answers to this in the past. But I'm, I'm intrigued myself because I, I, I want to to get stuck in this to mm-hmm. a few new books because I've been simply rereading a lot of the old books for a long time. But if you could give me like when I when I when someone says recommend like a few books that you think are just absolute greats that the people are going to find those principles in that they're going to like carry through for for a, a large part or different areas of their life what books jump to mind when, when, when i say that my work or other people's uh we'll go for other people's because i'll be making sure everyone knows yours well you know uh, if you can get a copy of it it's hard to find but tommy kono who was uh, the great olympic lifter uh wrote a book called weightlifting olympic style and it's just this book that's got great stories. It's got the, the, these ABCs of weightlifting. It is how I would structure an Olympic lifting book. And I, and I think it is absolutely brilliant. And oh, my other, the copies must be, the copies must be in the other room. This is, oh, let me show you. So this is one of my libraries, okay? So, um, but the problem with Tommy's books, uh, they, they move constantly. So number one, Tommy Kono's uh, weightlifting Olympic style. Number two, Marty Gallagher's purposeful primitive. Uh, it is, again, full of stories. The stuff on meditation, the stuff on weightlifting, the stuff on food is just one for the one for the it's just wonderful. Now, a lot of people don't like this next book anymore, but I'm still a fan of it. It's uh Pavel's Power to the People. I, I really like that book. Now, I told Pavel if he would have had bench press and rack deadlift as the two key lifts instead of one arm press and I don't know, deadlift from the floor, uh, no one would have ever written another weightlifting book. It'd be over if it had been bench press and rack deadlift. And it, it is a, I love the book. I think there's great insights. Um, those three's, those three books would be, uh, 
those would be my weightlifting books uh, because they're, 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 there's such a sweep in those three books, okay? In the area of nutrition, I think her name, is, her, is it Death by Food Pyramid by Dinger, I think? I think her name is Dinger. It might be Minger. I don't know. But Death by Food Pyramid, I, I really, really liked a lot. Though Wolf or something like that has a new book out called Plant Fed or something like that. And I think there's some real, I like that book a lot. In the area of mental training, I've got millions of them, but the book I like best is Tiny Habits by B.J. Fogg, F-O-G-G. -G. Here's the thing, I've done his course and it works. And then finally, oh, here, oh, here's a, this would be a nice book. And I, this is, this is Anthony, Tony Robbins' book, uh, Giant Steps. And it's a paragraph a day. It's 365 small readings every day. Um, for mental training, I like this a lot. He's got some stuff in there on lifting and running. I don't necessarily think it's the best, but, you know, whatever. Um, I, but I really like, if you can get it, if you go to YouTube, uh, Earl Nightingale's Lead the Field is available there on YouTube. Um that's the that is the the audio when i got back from the middle east I, I had a liver parasite i was very sick i was not doing well at all and i i went i went down to the library and i found lead the field and uh it was on a cassette player and i had a cassette player with the single thing that went into my ear and i'd walk and i, I had to if if a car went by i'd have to stop and replay it because i couldn't hear it and uh Lead the field changed my life. And for so so I gave you three titles for books. I gave you two titles for nutrition. Uh, BJ Fogg's uh, book on the mind side, and then Earl Nightingale for the for the big goal setting thing. Now I would also just, if you don't mind, I don't have either uh, Derek's uh, one one book of Derek's is in the bathroom. The other one is on my. Uh, uh, coffee table in my uh, downstairs uh, office, but Derek Sivers, S-I-V-E-R-S, and his website is like dereksivers.org or com. Uh, I would put Derek, if you're running a business, he'd be the person I would, uh, Earl Nightingale and Derek are the two people I'd reference. Perfect. Uh, and I'll, I'll actually, I'll, I'll hijack that uh, and for the listener listening in for, for Don's books, Nutrition, you can't like fat, uh, fat loss happens Monday with yourself and Josh Ellis. Josh Ellis, yeah. Is pretty much as comprehensive as anyone that wants to learn about anything to do with getting like getting leaner. If you yeah. read that book, you can find pretty much any strategy you want. And it's not just one, this is follow the system. It's a here's five, six, seven, eight ways to try and make it suit you, which I think is, is, is great because most books kind of dive very deep into one particular approach, which is where you get lost. Yeah. Uh, and here's the thing, you, you can you can get in the best shape of your life doing paleo, vegan, vegetarian, zone, Adkins, pescatarian. I'm sure just eating candy, you could probably get your goals too. It is, it, it is, it, it's, it, it doesn't, it's, it's the big picture of nutrition that's important. I think we lose that. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and for me now, maybe, maybe this is just a book. I always think people have bias with books because they come depending on where that book hit at their particular time in their life. But for me, when it comes to training and people like, like wanting to get almost like the training equivalent of fat loss happens one day where you're looking at a broad range of things for me, never let go was that where we were looking oh. at quite a few different things. And then with, from within that, a lot of your other books, and I know there's definitely a thread throughout all of your books where they're nearly come like following them in order of written is, is not actually a bad idea, but never let go gives people a nice little taste of quite a few different concepts for training right. to, to sort of wet their big. Yeah. Uh, in my more recent book attempts, I really do strive to uh, explain easy strength a little bit better. And yeah. Um, in fact, when I hang up, I'll send you, just keep it for yourself. I'll send you a PDF of attempts if you don't have it. 
Thank you very much. Don, I will not hold you back any longer. Uh, thank you very much uh, for, for joining us today. Uh, you know, any parting words to the listener? Well, that's, uh, you know, I said this the other day, I, I got that award for a lifetime achievement in this field. And I said, I stand on the shoulder of giants. And uh, anything you learn from me, it is a it's not a long journey from Dick Nuttmeyer, Ralph Mon, Dave Turner, from me to you. So just remember that, uh, especially in the field of health, longevity, fitness, performance, um, we all stand on giants. And uh, I, I was blessed to be able to have those people in my life. So thank you. Wonderful. Don, thanks very much for joining us. Listener, thank you very much. Tune in again.